0: I started to realize that losing my eyesight, it didn't make me different than everyone else. It made me just like everyone else.
1: This is the Bold Artist Podcast, where we talk about being brave and finding creative freedom. You want to get those beautiful things inside of your head out onto canvas? We're going to talk to real life artists and learn the skills and the courage it takes to do just that. I'm your host, Mary Janelle a multi-form artist and creativity mentor, joined often by my co-host, Sharla Marskalk, painter of colorful portraits and founder of Bold School, an online space to learn bold color painting. Welcome, and let's get started with today's episode. Welcome to the Bold Artist Podcast. If I seem starstruck today, it's because the artist we're gonna be speaking to is a big deal in my world. To me, he's a hero and a celebrity in his own right. I'd like to welcome John Bramblett to the show. He lives the word bold that we use in our bold artist slogan. So let's welcome together John Bramblett of Denton, Texas, USA. John, thank you so much for being here today
0: thank you so much for having me i've I've been looking forward to this and i love i love love the very title of the show bold color that's just perfect
1: yes the bold artist podcast we're all about being bold and (laughs) being artists who have bold hearts and wholehearted and you demonstrate that to us. Can you start out by telling us a little bit about yourself? Because to me, John, you put the word bold into bold artist. You live it out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and so oh, thanks. can you tell us tell us about yourself?
0: Oh sure. I'm I'm a painter. I'm I'm sitting in my studio, so if it's a mess, I I I, I apologize. But I'm surrounded by canvases and paints and all kinds of fun things. <laughs> all yes. the stuff I spend I spend my days with but um, I, I'm I'm a studio artist, but I also do murals. I actually became the first blind person to do murals in the world, and then um, and then I've been a, a cult, I've, been, I've been named a, cult, a cultural ambassador for the United States, where they, they send me to other places to, to talk about art and stuff. But um, but the, the thing I think that people notice first about my artwork is the color, and then the the second thing is um, is is the fact that I'm blind and. In um, that I do visual art. That's um, which is kind of a, a funny thing. It's an oxymoron. I'm a non-visual visual artist.
1: <laughs> you have blown me away just hearing uh, the story of your life in your book, which you which you just informed me is an outdated book because you, you <laughs> want to write a new one, which I really hope you do. But uh, this this book, which you feel is outdated, but it totally transformed my life and heart by reading your story. Uh, through the book, you share about your journey out of darkness and into light, but it was a heart journey because you had lost your sight. Was it back in 2000 or 2001 that you lost your sight, John?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I lost I lost the last the last bit of it in, in 2001. And um, um, but I, I was fortunate in that And then whenever I lost my eyesight where, where I was and I, I was a student at a university, and I was at a university that was very progressive. So um, so even though my eyesight was going, I thought I had to leave school. I thought everything was over. I was so angry. I was so depressed. Mm-hmm. And the people around me, my friends, my professors, my family were so supportive. And they were like, you know, you, you can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. And to be honest, I, I thought they were all so sweet to just lie to me like that <laughs> just just mm-hmm. try to make me feel better because mm-hmm. I didn't believe any of it I didn't see how any I didn't see any way that I'd be able to move forward from that but mm-hmm. um but that was just the depression and the anger talking but mm-hmm. thank goodness for art because if it hadn't been for art being in my life it it honestly it saved my life it, it it gave me purpose it gave me something to focus on I thought everything good was out of my life I didn't see how any change could be made and the wonderful thing about art is that every time you lift a paintbrush, every time you're working on a piece of clay or a canvas, you're making ch- changes. And, you wow. know, and, it, and it's a positive mm-hmm. sort of, you know, even if it's small, you are making a positive change every time that you do that. So it's hard wow. to stay in a dark place, you know, whenever mm-hmm. you have something like that in your life.
1: Mm-hmm. I love what you just said there that every time you're making art, you're making changes. That right there is so powerful, John. And in your mm-hmm. in your book, you you talk about uh, the progression that you went through in losing your sight and then becoming a visual artist. What's really unique about your story is that you were not a visual artist when you had sight. You did draw. And you were very creative, but your art and the painting aspect of your art was something you developed after losing your sight. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I know it's just it's baffling to us that 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 was that that all came to you after losing your sight.
0: I, I know I I went the wrong way to get into it, to have an art career. It's funny from the but, <laughs> for some reason in my brain like drawing makes sense. Like I think I could draw before I could walk and, but I never thought of making a career as an artist. It was just something that I did every day and I loved to draw. Um, I I took every class I could. I've always been a nerd even from when I was little. <laughs> I read every book I could and. So I learned all about the different mediums of drawing, how to, um, I learned how to draft, how to, do, how to do the blueprints for houses, how to do all these different things. But it wasn't, it was never my idea, idea, it was never my intention to be an artist. It was just something that I did. Like it was just made sense mm-hmm. to me. If, um, mm-hmm. But I loved to write, I loved to write. Mm-hmm. And I would write every day. And, and before I lost my eyesight, it was, it was like everything was a 180 in a way. Like, I didn't share my writing, really. I, I that, that was really private. Drawing and stuff didn't really matter. I drew all the time, and I would, I would do a stack of drawings. They'd get too big, and i just throw, throw them away. It didn't, you know, they didn't really, it was just something that, that I did. I loved it, but, and I drew every day. But part of that, though, was because growing up, I was um, had a lot of health problems. I was born with severe a- a- epilepsy. I had kidney problems, had a kidney removed by the time I was seven, had some other neurological sort of problems and I was just in and out of hospitals a lot. And the wonderful thing about drawing was that, you know, if I was having a bad day, it, it, it made that day better. It gave me something else to focus on. And if it was was having a good day, it gave me something, you know, it was a great way to celebrate a day. So art was just my way of dealing with things. And,
2: Mm -hmm. you know, it was
0: something very personal to me. Um, and it, it just made every day better. So I drew every day, but, um, but it was just, I don't know, it's funny. Like, you know, it's funny you think that something you did every day like that. Maybe you think, well, I'm going to make a career on that. But I always thought that just sounds crazy. Like, there's no way you can make a career in art. That like, just sounds silly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was a kid, I, I don't know. I was very conservative, I guess, think, thinking in that way. but So um, you
1: had this background of drawing when you had your site. And then after losing your sight i i read in the book how you had this moment it's almost like a moment that came to you where you realized you could still see but not with your eyes and you drew something and realized i could still see and maybe if what i drew was raised up off of the surface i could feel it and that's where the idea is. Am I describing this uh, correctly, John? That that's where the idea to paint came to you because paint had a texture?
0: Yeah, I. you know, it, I, I was really afraid whenever I, f- I learned that I, w- I was losing my eyesight, I was going to lose all of it, that I was afraid of, that I was going to forget what color looked like. And everything. I, d- I didn't understand anything about blindness. I had no idea. The only thing I knew was what you learned from... TV shows and movies, which is a terrible place to learn about this. Mm-hmm. You have people mm-hmm. that um, go blind, and suddenly it's like it's like they've been hit in the head, and and they don't they don't they don't even know their own family or so. You know, and it's it's just mm-hmm. silly what, what you see on TV for a lot of things. It's getting better actually, but
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, but whenever um, but you start learning how to do everything in new ways, whenever you lose your eyesight, like how to how to mm-hmm. how to eat mm-hmm. without getting food all over yourself, usually <laughs> how to cook, right. you know. Mm -hmm. it's incredible how many hot pokey sharp things are in the kitchen and i love to cook (laughs) for my family i'm the cook but you have to learn completely new ways of dealing with everything how to pour Mm -hmm. water in a cup and how to pour Mm -hmm. boiling water in a cup you know and Mm -hmm. how to sew on a button um but the main thing is how to travel how to actually get around independently Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. at first you know i had always been a very independent person did whatever i want went wherever i want and then suddenly when I was a student at university and every time I tried to leave the, uh, my apartment, I would always end up with cuts and scrapes and bruises, you know, because just getting around without seeing is very hard. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the wonderful thing though, is that there's all these different techniques that you can learn. And it's called or- orientation and mobility training.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: I started learning all this and that's where you learn how to use a white cane. And then later, even like a guide dog, like, 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 like my guide dog Eagle, which is snoring over here. Uh, but she, but you learn how to do all this. And, <laughs> and, and, it was after about a year of learning how to use a cane and starting to learn how to travel independently that I thought, my goodness, like m- like me leaving my apartment and going to the university, going down a, um, a sidewalk, traveling down, was a lot like just traveling a straight line. Like you can feel the sidewalk, mm-hmm. you can feel where trees mm-hmm. are, you can feel where, mm-hmm. um, you know, a fire hydrant is. And every time you find something like that, it- it's like a landmark. So you know exactly mm-hmm. where you are and then where two streets cross you know exactly where in the city you are Mm -hmm. there's only one place where two streets cross and then there you are. And I thought, Mm -hmm. my goodness, this is so much like the lines going across a canvas. So if I could actually navigate a city and be able to go find a coffee shop, be able to order coffee, be able to go to a classroom, be able to do all these things and be able to do it without seeing, and with cars going around and people and not knocking over too many people. <laughs> you know, you knock over a few, but what are you gonna do? Um, <laughs> but you can actually travel and you can do this, that surely you could get you could get across something that's much simpler, like a canvas,
2: mm-hmm. if you
0: use the same ideas. So mm-hmm. I started to learn how to draw by using lines that I could touch and feel. And it was very <laughs> simple at first, but you know, I remember the first time that I, I made a drawing and I stood up, all, well I stood up, I stayed up all night and I was feeling this little statue, and I was just trying to draw this little statue of a Buddha that I had, and just trying you know, to make lines, and then just crumpling up the paper, but I was making these little lines so I could touch and feel.
2: And then finally, by
0: the end of the morning, I'd had this little drawing of this Buddha, and it was awful. It was so terrible, it was so misshapen, and crumpled, and yucky, I and mean, it was just like, <laughs> nobody else would have looked at that, and they were like, oh, that's a drawing of a little Buddha, that, that's great. But I was so excited, though, because it had some shape to it.
2: Mm-hmm. And the wonderful
0: thing about art is that if you can do it a little bit, then you can do it a lot. Like, you're always just mm-hmm. adding to it. You're adding to it. Mm-hmm. Every mistake is, is another step towards getting to mm-hmm. where you want to be. And I knew that. So the mm-hmm. fact that I had a terrible drawing meant that one day I might have a slightly less terrible drawing.
1: That <laughs> is know? such so an amazing attitude. I, well, I got
0: so excited. <laughs> and honestly, I felt like I had nothing to lose because... I had lost everything. Like, I, I I, was in college, and you go to school because you have this idea, you have hope for the future,
2: mm-hmm. and I had
0: this idea that I wanted to be a professor, I wanted to teach, I wanted to do all these things. Suddenly, all that, to my mind was gone, and the only thing that I had in my mind was that if I worked really, really hard, if I was able to get through my classes, maybe I wouldn't be a burden on my family. And not that my family would ever think that I was a burden. It's just I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to do something. I wanted to be able to mm-hmm. be and in, stay independent and in all this, mm-hmm. and so I had a lot of free time, you know, because <laughs> I there wasn't a whole lot. And art gave me something to focus on. And I'm so sorry I rambled off. No, I, I love. Create, I get so I excited love, when I talk about. I art love the
1: rambles, I, John. Um, uh, yeah, you're so kind.
0: I appreciate that.
1: No rambling is is perfect. We want to hear it all. So you had that moment where you learn to raise up your drawings so you could feel them. I think you said you used fabric paint and you raised them up. Nice. And then, then it came to you that if you could feel the outlines that you could begin to paint within those parameters. And can you tell me about when you discovered that color has feel? And what's really interesting is that most of our audience are painters. They're bold color artist or bold artist, bold-hearted artist. And probably not many of us have stopped to consider that color has feel. And so I believe you're going to take off a really big lid for us today to open our eyes and the eyes of our heart to seeing and feeling color differently. How did you discover that, John?
0: You know I um I, I started painting with with oil paint and the reason that I started with oils I paint I use acrylics now but the reason I started with oils is because every color is made from from uh, from, from from different things so and that mm-hmm. gives the the colors just a little bit of a different viscosity a different texture so mm-hmm. it's not that I can just touch like a shirt and know oh that's a red shirt or a blue shirt right. it's the paint you know that has a different mm-hmm. feeling to it by the way it's mm-hmm. made and um, and also the diff, diff, different brands are made in different ways. So maybe like a titanium white in this brand will feel a certain way and then a, another brand it'll feel mm-hmm. different. So I would mix and match brands and stuff by the way they felt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But later on though, uh, because the birth the birth of my son, I started getting a little worried about there's a lot of bad things in some oil paints and the different yes, cleaners. Yes, so. I was
1: wondering that actually. I was wondering I, how, how does John feel about touching the paint when there are chemicals <laughs> and minerals in them?
0: John, John doesn't mind that, <laughs> but, but, but I had a, I had, a, had a big worry about putting it on the baby because, right. you know, when I first started painting, um, I didn't realize how hard oil paint was to wash off your hands. Mm.
1: So, um, I had a little
0: white dog and I would wash my hands. <laughs> he wasn't and my white? Little dog, oh yeah. She didn't stay white for long. I would like, she, little Ann would come over and I'd love her on her and, and my friends would come over and ask, well, why is Ann all pink and purple and green? And I didn't realize that I wasn't, I didn't get all the oil paint off my hands and, and I could just imagine my my baby whenever we, we had you know our son late years later, mm-hmm. um, you know him turning orange and pink and purple. So, <laughs> I started looking <laughs> into different kinds of paint, and I started um, working with with acrylics, and that changed everything for me mm-hmm. because oil, oil paints dr- take so long to dry,
2: mm-hmm. but also
0: with acrylics there's so many different mediums you can add to the paint, so yeah. that it's, it's just incredible. Like I, I can mix a paint. So, like, I, I can mix a white so it felt like to, um, um, oil paint or or really thick. I can make it feel like toothpaste. I can mix mm-hmm. a black so it was runny like oil. Another mm-hmm. paint so that it was, you know, it was like clay almost, you know, so you could carve mm-hmm. on it. And,
1: mm-hmm. um, You're so speaking my this, language now. <laughs> oh, my
0: goodness. It's, it's just, it opened up the entire world to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, so I started being able to, to change the way these different colors felt. And it gave me a way to be able to work with color. Um, so now it's like today, the way that I work with color is, through, is, is, is one way is, is by using the texture. So if I make a white feel like toothpaste and a black feel like oil, if I want a gray halfway between the two, I can mix the, the viscosity of it, the texture halfway between that black and white. I know the color is halfway mm-hmm. there too.
2: Mm-hmm. So it gives
0: me a very precise way to control that. We have over 200 touch receptors on the pad of each finger, and they're really, wow. really good at being able to tell the looseness or, uh, of something mm-hmm. and the texture of it. Another mm-hmm. way is just through um, like a recipe. Like, you know, you had know, you know you seven parts of this, five parts of that, you're always gonna end mm-hmm. up with a certain color. Mm-hmm. It's very precise. It's not as much fun, I think, as with the texture. The texture is so much more fun because you get to get your hands
1: very yeah. in. And, Do uh, you ever have to ask someone for the, to, to lend their eye to the values that you're mixing or have you learned to use touch to control your values, your shadows and light as well?
0: You know, um, I, I I don't have to ask anybody for that anymore. Um, when I first started, mm-hmm. I didn't ask people then either, but I kept my art as a secret. Even my first shows, mm-hmm. I didn't tell people I was blind. And um, mm-hmm. so I would do the sh- I would have the show. The shows did well. And I would go there, and I would have my cane. I used a cane at the time. And people sometimes ask, oh, where's the artist? And I'd go, like, oh, I'm the artist, you know, if you have a question. And yeah. they go, "Ah, oh, how funny. <laughs> You're a funny guy. <laughs> no. And then they'd, they'd walk off, and i go, well.
1: I remember reading um, that in the book, and and you mentioned a story where you you told an onlooker, like you were at a show, and you told the onlooker that you were the artist, and the onlooker realized that you were blind, and they disappeared, and you thought, where did they go? But they had gone back to look at your art again because they were so amazed that you could do that being blind. I I loved that story. Do you remember Um, that?
0: (laughs) I I do, I do. It's funny whenever, especially at first... Um, whenever somebody would find out that you're you're a blind artist they, they they would go back and try to see the blindness in the paintings and yeah. um which I totally get because um the reason that I paint the way that I paint um I you know I'm trying to understand perception as well and trying to understand mm-hmm. how it is that we actually understand this world and losing my eyesight completely changed the way that I thought about art and mm-hmm. and the way that I make art and the you know and so mm-hmm. I, I totally get that, and I think it's it's a it's awesome because it, it opens up a, a conversation. It's a dialogue, mm-hmm.
1: and, it sure does. You
0: know, you know and, when
1: i when I look at your work, I, I do not see blindness. I see someone who can see. And what I felt all the way through reading your story was that you in in the ability to see with your heart, you see even better than I do. Oh, well, <laughs> and and you. you've taught us, John, that there's another way to see. What does the phrase seeing with your heart mean to you? What What does that mean to you as an artist?
0: You know, um, there's, there's something that I think is kind of interesting. I do a lot of teaching. I work with museums all over the country, and mm-hmm. I work with different schools. And whenever I go into, um, uh, like, a, let's say if I'm at a college somewhere, and, I, and I'm going to teach an art class, and and um, and the students will come in, and almost all the universities will have a drawing lab where they'll have a room that has all these these wonderful statues of different things, and and they're mm-hmm. all like in different poses, like Greek poses, mm-hmm. and this. And I always go up and I, and, I, and I'll touch the statues, and 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 they always have a little, little layer of dust on them. And I think that's so interesting because artists were were, were these out of the box thinkers, mm-hmm. um, and yet we we you know most artists will will get into a rut where you know, seeing is believing, seeing is understanding. And so Mm -hmm. all these students for, you know, semester after semester will file in and they'll just look at the statues. They won't engage their other senses. They won't go over and and touch them and feel, you know, what, what the, you know, what the muscles feel like with the, with the hair, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the, it's just incredible. Like we, I think we focus too much on one sense Mm
2: -hmm. and,
0: True perception, you know, I mean, like really what we're seeing is in our, is in our minds. It's, I think it's interesting to think that you're never really seeing with your eyes. It's always your brain. It's always your mind. And we kind of know that, but Mm -hmm. your, 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 your eyes are just, it's just an organ that's taking in a light and only for the first Mm -hmm. little bit of it. And then Mm -hmm. it's turned into electricity and a chemical response. It goes to your brain. And there's Mm -hmm. about 13 different areas in your brain that will turn that into, into an image what's Mm -hmm. interesting is that your imagination, when you're dreaming, when you're imagining something, Mm -hmm. you're still using about 11 areas of of the brain. The only part Mm -hmm. that's different is those first two little areas. Mm
2: -hmm. So
0: whenever you're asleep and you're dreaming and it seems like the dream is real and maybe you see your mother or your father and it's like you're there with them
2: Mm -hmm.
0: to your brain that image is just as real as if you were actually mm-hmm. looking at it. And that's why you can wake mm-hmm. up from a dream and go like, oh my goodness, I was there. Yeah. Um, or if you imagine something and you know, you smell c- cooking come from the kitchen and suddenly you're back in your grandmother's kitchen and you know, it's like you're there. It's a visceral sort of thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Our brain, mm-hmm. uh,
0: it's understanding. It's so deep. And I think that whenever we just think about it being eyesight, we're really cutting ourselves short. You know, we're, we're missing out mm-hmm. on a lot of it.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: I think whenever you think about perception and about really understanding and seeing with your heart you're coming from a deeper sort of understanding it's like if Mm -hmm. if we had a if we had a family member walk into the room everybody in that room would would see that family member of yours they would see the clothes that they're wearing their hair they would understand how they're walking how they're carrying themselves they would hear the speech and even though everybody is taking in the same information everybody has a different feeling about what that person might be like you know mm-hmm. you know are they friendly are they are they off-putting mm-hmm. um, you know do mm-hmm. they want to walk over there do they want to hang out with them um, everybody has a different sort of feeling and I think that's true vision that mm-hmm. feeling that oh, combination that. of yes. emotion and your your perception
1: I sorry for that. the long
0: answer again no
1: I, I love it. it and there's just so much to soak in and you're opening a new understanding of perception being different than vision and uh i had shared a couple of times at the dinner table about you and my whole family loves you as well not just not just all of us at bold school but the whole family and i was telling them about the time you walked into a tree because your mind had (laughs) like displayed the whole street to you from previous memories and you forgot you were you know not able to see for a few (laughs) minutes you put down your cane and just walked into a tree. <laughs> and I and that story, it it mattered to me because I realized how much information comes from our minds imagining and and perceiving and remembering and that that it can override our vision. And that as we tap into creating, now now if I liken that to creating and uh, artistry we can override what we see with our eyes by all that we perceive and imagine and feel. And to me, that's just, that's so rich and deep and meaningful. And I thank you very much for opening my eyes to that. And, and here on the Bold Artist Podcast, opening our eyes to that.
0: Oh my goodness. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was shocking to me. That was the first time that I, after I lost my eyesight, Whenever um, I was starting to learn how to use a cane, the orientation and mobility, and 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 if you if you've been sighted, the first thing you have to do is put on a sleep mask over your eyes, because mm-hmm. you don't realize how much how much of what you're seeing is actually just an imagination, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I thought I thought my mm-hmm. goodness, like that that was the first step for me to understand that there's a lot more going on in your brain when it comes to perception than just the eyes. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, and. If I may, John, I just wanted to read here um, just a little excerpt from the very beginning opening flap of your book. Um, Mm. It says, Shouting in the dark is the story of Bramblett's life, his struggles with epilepsy, his race against time as he prepares for complete vision loss, and his determination to find a way out of the engulfing shadows of blindness. And ultimately it is the heartwarming story of how he rekindles his capacity for joy, hope, and relationships through art. Full of raw emotion, honesty, and humor, Bramblett challenges readers to rethink their perceptions of blindness and what it means to truly see. And one of the words that jumped out at me when I read that was the word hope. And in the beginning of the podcast, you talked about the despair and depression and how art has given you hope. And I know in the world we live in today and difficult, devastating circumstances, there's a lot of people, not just artists, but a lot of artists who are experiencing despair and hopelessness. And I was hoping that you might be able to speak to that today, John, because I do believe that you're a man and an artist who understands hope.
0: Oh my goodness. You know, whenever I first lost my eyesight, I was so angry and I was depressed and I didn't even understand why. I had no idea why. And and it was because there, there wasn't a future anymore. I, I didn't see a future out there. Mm-hmm. and
2: mm-hmm. And
0: I felt very isolated. I felt very alone, even though I had a family that loved me. I had friends mm-hmm. around me. None, none of that changed, but on the inside, though, it, it changed quite a bit. And I didn't realize—I mean, I felt hollow inside—and I didn't realize that hope was something that actually had, it, actually had a physical presence. I mean, you mm-hmm. can it, when it's gone, you you can you don't notice it when it's there so much, but when it's gone, you can tell that you're empty. And
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's whenever through through artwork and being able to you know whenever you're painting all you're thinking about is that one brush stroke, the pain on the end of the brush, and you're living in the moment and going mm-hmm. from moment to moment like that. You're not thinking about any of the bad things. You're not worried about the future. You're not thinking about any of that. You're in that moment. And mm-hmm. in that, I started to build a little bit of hope because I started to be able to be a lot calmer with it. You know, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I noticed, whenever I lost my eyesight, I thought it made me different than everyone else.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I I felt very separated and very alone.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: after I started showing, um, there's stories started being written about, about my artwork. And then I was contacted by some charities and nonprofits They were like, Oh, we heard that you're visually impaired. Can you, can you come and talk to our clients? Can you do workshops? You know, we have soldiers with PTSD. We have children mm-hmm. with autism. We have, we have, we have, we have, people with Alzheimer's, um, all these different things. Mm-hmm. And I started to travel around and, and, and talk with different people. And I felt like I was talking to my best friends. I felt like I was talking to people that, even though we were dealing with different things, we all just Mm -hmm. understood each other and we really got each other. And I started to realize that losing my eyesight, it didn't make me different than everyone else. It made me just like everyone else. All of us, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be a disability, all of us have something in our lives that is just bigger than us. It feels bigger. Mm -hmm. We're not sure what Mm -hmm. we're going to do with it. It could be the death of a loved one. You know, it could be, you know, your, your career, it could be all kinds mm-hmm. of things, but it's just bigger than what you feel you can handle and you start to lose hope from that. And so I, I think me going through that and maybe understand hope a little bit more, how much, how important it is and mm-hmm. how vital it is, but also that we all have that. We all struggle with it mm-hmm. and that we're not alone. And, and mm-hmm. the people that I know to struggle with it the most are the artists. You know artists generally are the nicest people you will ever meet, except with themselves.'re they're, they're often the hardest on themselves or mm-hmm. you know they're like, oh my gosh, they're just so so mean to themselves like if they make a mistake on a, on a, a painting or this or that or artwork. Um, but to other people' they're, they're the most generous spirit.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
0: think that we've got to remember to be kind to ourselves. We've got to be forgiving
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and
0: that hope and then here's the main thing. If I could give one bit of advice to anybody out there, is mm-hmm. to fail fail often get out there and just fail 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 every mm-hmm. you know as you know with every piece of art that you do you're constantly failing on it until you get that one mm-hmm. until finally it's right mm-hmm. get that one stroke that right that one that one piece that's right and um that's that's what gives me hope I think is that every time I fail I'm still moving forward every every time yes. that I do something okay I'm moving forward and mm-hmm. and then I know that I'm not in it alone I don't
1: Wow, thank you for speaking hope into our hearts. And, and uh, I know that for all of us artists who are hard on ourselves, and so um, particular and perfectionistic with ourselves, I have learned personally that that does come because I'm, I'm looking with my eyes and not my heart. I'm judging from the outside and not um, feeling with the inside. And so your Your conversation today, John, it it moves us into a deeper direction and reminding us to not judge ourselves or the world by what we see, but rather by what we know in our hearts and sense in our hearts. And so that is really a life changing message. I wanted to before we close just move back into um, talking a little bit more about your process because you did begin sharing with us about your process of feeling the paint and knowing <coughs> knowing uh, what your the values and and how you're painting by touch and texture and I was wondering if you might be able to just share with uh, us bold artists uh, an inside picture into your process. Like, how would you work through a piece without being able to see it?
0: Oh, my goodness. The furry first thing that I do is that I, I, I work the painting out in my mind first mm-hmm. because um, I, I have to be able to touch the painting and, um, and the paints that I work with now and the, the process I have, everything dries extremely quickly and I have... I have heat guns and all that, but, it, but I have additives that I put in the paint so that it dries almost as fast as I put it on the canvas, so that helps. But the first thing though is always in in my mind. Like I just started a painting last night here, and you know, I'll share. It's terrible, but that's okay. That's one thing <laughs> I'm, I'm, sharing, I'm sharing with you guys. You guys are artists, so you know. So I'm gonna I'm gonna show you this drawing. <laughs> we know, we know the process. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna put this. Um, I don't in front of the canvas. So yeah, okay. I
1: yeah, we can so, see it. It's.
0: It's a work landscape. in
1: progress. Yep, yeah, landscape. It's 18
0: by tw- yeah, it's an 18, 18 by 24 inch. Um, it's, there's trees in the background. But if you'll notice in the painting, there's all these little black lines. Um, all those black lines, it's a paint that I mix up that has a medium in with it that feels kind of tacky. It's almost like mm. a rubber cement. So mm. every every one of those lines feels a little bit different. The colored lines are a little slicker. So, like, the green is almost like a um, an enamel sort of feeling.
1: So, mm-hmm. I have to have different...
0: So, when I'm, I'm going over the painting, um, every line that I have there, which is an underpainting, it's just me uh, sketching out, trying to mm-hmm, figure out mm-hmm. what, what in the heck I'm going to do on this painting, you know. And right. Is it going to work out? I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. But but every line, though, has a different texture to it. Um, when I first started, all the lines had to be giant, thick lines because... I wasn't very good at touching. This was like when I first learned mm-hmm. Braille, everything felt like the letter A. Like, there was no way. I thought, it's impossible to tell all these, all these little dots. You're reading what a book. Heck?
1: A, 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 A. Yeah, I was like, ah. <laughs> it's like everybody's just yelling. Yeah.
0: Um, but, but over time, though, you start to get better at that. You know, it's like anything. And mm-hmm. so at first, all the lines had to be giant, thick lines. Over mm-hmm. time, I could make them thinner and thinner and thinner, and then finally, it got to the point where they just had to feel different. I could have a rough canvas, mm-hmm. then over that rough canvas, I could have some really slick lines. I could have some mm-hmm. some some like tacky lines, you know, just 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 mix mm-hmm. it up. But the main thing though is to understand if you're if you're a sighted artist, you're used to using your eyes to understand where you are on a canvas and where you've been. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're a person who's blind, you're going to use your sense of touch to understand where you are on a canvas and where you've been or in a room or anything. You always use your sense of touch to understand mm-hmm. the world around you.
1: Mm-hmm. So th-
0: what I do is I just make sure that the, what I use on my canvas gives me enough information. So I have enough landmarks to fill, enough information there to, mm-hmm. to be able to, to navigate and understand what I'm putting down.
2: Because mm-hmm. when
0: you first start thinking about painting without vision, um, it's a misnomer, really. Really, you're just painting without using your eyeballs, you know, your eyes. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm still
0: using vision, but instead of using my eyes to understand where the mark is, I'm using mm-hmm. my hands, my fingertips to feel where the mark is. And then in my mind, I'm, I'm holding that image and I'm building it. So does that make yeah, so, sense at all? Or
1: Oh, absolutely. And when you held up the painting there and you have the trees and the couple walking, what amazes me, John, is that you haven't seen that in a reference image. And yet, you're creating this image for us to behold. Yet you've never seen it. Now, where are you getting? Um, I mean, because you've been painting for a long time now, so you've you've painted countless paintings. Is it getting easier to imagine what you're painting, or or do you now search and grasp for new ideas?
0: You know, it's funny. It's um when I whenever I it. it <laughs> That's hard to explain. It's you know, um, there's paintings in my studio which I, I don't know if you can see or not. I don't know what's behind me, um, but there's old paintings and of like a faces and mm-hmm. and it might be a, an exploded view like of a nose and then an eye and that's all I could fit in the painting at that time.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: so for me, that 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 was as detailed as I could get. There was there was no blending, there was no shading, there was none of that. So mm-hmm. at the time, that that's as much as I could perceive. And and I and I, I felt like I was just doing amazing. Now, mm-hmm. today, I, 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 can, I can feel somebody's face and I can understand. I have, I have different ways of doing that. And I can draw with much, much, much more de- detail and much more color. And I have shading and blending.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, if
0: I, you know, so to me, now that seems like, you know, it's much better. But if I flash forward, you know, maybe 10 years in the future, what I'm doing today may seem very, you know, like very basic and rudimentary. So right. but that's the wonderful thing about art is that every time you, you, you create, every time that you spend time in your studio, you're pushing what you do a little bit further. Yeah,
1: pushing the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's
0: always cutting edge because it's always, mm-hmm. you know, you're always working at the limit of what you can do.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that's one of the things that's so exciting for, for me, at least. I, I know when I first started painting it was because I was very angry and I was depressed and it helped me. And that's why I painted. I still paint for those exact same reasons today, and they still help me the same amount. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I I'm happier. You know, I'm, I'm I'm, you know, I'm a very happy person, and all. You are. And and <laughs> it it thanks to the artwork. You know, every day I have my yes. therapy, and I paint every day, and I usually paint eight to ten to twelve hours every day, seven days mm-hmm. a week. Um, mm-hmm. I, my studio is in my home. We're about to open another one, um, a, a gallery, which will be interesting. Um, but my family come in here. I have couches around here. We hang out. My son will watch stuff while I'm painting, or he'll watch stuff, and I'll listen to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't know. It's, um, for me, painting is just my life. I, I, I dream at night. When I dream, I'm dreaming of paintings. Um, mm-hmm. When I wake up, I live in a very... I always thought about blindness being a dark world, but for me, it's a very te- technicolor crazy world. Whenever I hear music, I see color, um, I'm mm-hmm. constantly thinking about things that are around me, and uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard to explain. It sounds like a very I don't know. You're doing it's Dr. wonderful Seuss explaining sort of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you. You're doing wonderful explaining it. I I fully comprehend and and just have this just this wonderful sense of of who you are and all that you see with your heart. And I want to thank you for sharing it with the world and for being bold enough and brave enough to begin painting and such vulnerability when we link or when we think that we link um, visual eyesight to visual arts. And yet you've been there to, to expose the, that doesn't have to be. We can paint with mm-hmm. our hearts, we can paint through what we perceive and feel. and And I just deeply appreciate you leading us, John, in, in showing us what's possible, that we don't need to depend on our eyes and what we see.
0: Oh well thank you so much. And mm-hmm. if we if we ever if I if I, if I ever had the chance to, to meet to meet you in person, I would love to to to, 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 to put a blindfold on you and have and, and show you the way that I paint. I, I do I do workshops um, all over in museums where we blindfold people. And it's so funny, I would, I would love, I'd love to, to, to do that with you, but it, it's funny where when um, the workshops I do with people who are cited, 99% of the workshops I do are with people that are recited. And, um, yes. and it's always funny, it's just like a few minutes in, people, you know, first they'll say, I don't see how in the world you paint. And then I show them, yeah. you know, we, we put the blindfold on and we have the paints where I'm mixed up and the drawings that I've made. And a few minutes in, it's almost invariably, oh, I get it, you know, because they can touch the drawing, they can feel it. But, um, yes. but that'd be so much fun. I would love to do that one day.
1: Well, I'd love to do that in person. But if we were not able to meet up in person, I would even take that challenge and do it from a distance virtually and, and give it a shot. I, I understand to a certain degree all of how you process and feel because I come from a sculpting background and I rely heavily on my sense of touch for sculpting and um and and I actually try to translate that into my painting. I, I feel that I'm stronger in sculpting than painting, and so I'm always trying to move my that ability to cross over mediums that way. And I I feel like you've opened a, uh, opened the lid up for me a little and and shown me some other ways I could approach it. And so that's exciting for just for me as an artist, and I'm sure for all the listeners and watchers of the Bold Artist Podcast. So in closing, before we uh, sign out here, John, would you give us a quick snapshot of what life in the in the life of what a day in the life of John Bramblett looks like right now? You said you have a home studio, you're opening a gallery, but what is like what's life like right now? If people go and, and get your book, Shouting in the Dark, My Journey Back to Light, and it leaves off quite a number of years ago, I just want to tell them where you're at now.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's a little different with, with, with COVID. I, I used to fly about two, two, three times a month going going to different shows and things. So now a lot of the teaching, a lot of that is done through Zoom. So, you know, um, so, so I'm doing that. I'm starting to, to travel a little bit more, but I usually wake up about about somewhere between six and eight a.m. Um, and then I'll I'll get, I'll make coffee and I'll 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 feed, I'll feed I'll feed my 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 guide dog. Um, well, which we feed I, I feed her first and then I make coffee. <laughs> and you said her name she's, she's is first.
1: her, her Eagle, name Eagle. is Eagle. Eagle, like e- the e- the bird, like,
0: like 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 the bird, uh-huh. And okay. you don't you don't you don't name the guide dogs. You don't get them until they're about two and a half years old.
2: Okay. Um, she is
0: a sweetheart. She is I, she's my second guide dog. All guide dogs are brilliant. My my first yes. guy dog Echo. Um, yes. she was actually put in the Animal Hall of Fame. She was she traveled so much.
1: See, I know Echo from um, the book.
0: Echo. Oh yeah, the oh my book. goodness. Yeah.
1: I miss Echo. I didn't know about Eagle, so um, oh. that's exciting. You would love Eagle. Next... Eagle
0: is a lover. She is just a sweetheart. She just she's just the sweetest dog. But and then I'll, I'll come into the studio and I'll and I'll I'll paint. Um, and then my son, um, right, right now he's homeschooled. And um, so, usually about about three days a week, I do lessons with him. So he'll come in, and
2: nice. and I put all
0: the the I put the paintings away because it's all attention on him, and we'll and I'll, I'll do I'll do a couple lessons, and we'll. And how we'll, we'll old talk. is he? He he is thir- thirteen years old. Nice. And um and he and he he's has this yeah he's he's he's, yeah. he's he's so he's such a sweetheart, and yes. um so we'll do that and then he'll leave and uh, um I, I might make us lunch, and then I'll I'll paint and then I'll generally paint until about six o'clock. Um, and then I, and then I'll make dinner for the family, and then we'll we'll eat dinner. Maybe we'll watch a show or something, or we'll we'll play a game. Right right now we're really into, into board games and stuff. So we'll we'll play some games, and then I'll paint until maybe midnight, one, two o'clock in the morning. Wow! And then it and then it just sort of swips her, you know. But also yes. during the time that I'm painting, my wife, who is the the nicest, most amazing person you could ever meet, my she's my best friend, and we we we're we're in this together, all this stuff. She. She's so much smarter than I am, and she um, handles a lot of the like like the speaking things that I do and all all the all the business sides of it. She she worked at the um, university for years as a director, left that, and then she started doing the art stuff with me. And um, so it's just a family affair, and we're, we we kind of hang yes. out all day, and and um, they're very understanding about my obsession with painting,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: um, which is brilliant, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. well,
1: your wife's name is Jackie, am I correct? <laughs> Yes, yes. And Jackie was in your book, and when you met her, she was painting.
0: Yeah, she only painted for a very short amount of time. And it was just, it was amazing that, like... Thank goodness she was painting during that time because I, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was it was a way that I don't know we we connected over yeah.
1: there. Yeah, for sure. I've I've wondered that since reading the book. I wondered if Jackie still paints, and I I thought wouldn't it be neat one day if John and Jackie did a collab painting together? That that could be fun. <laughs>
0: oh, you don't you don't want one of the wonderful things like I do murals and um I painted a seven thirty seven. I've done four story murals. We've done all these things. Wow. Um, the only kind of painting that she does is 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 with me on the murals. And when it first started, because a, a visually, impaired, visually impaired person, had never done a mural before, and I didn't realize that when I was doing the first one on for World Sight Day, and and wow. um, and I was doing it, and we had an international film crew there, and they were like, "Hey, by the way, did did you know that a black person's never done a mural?" And I was like, "No, I didn't know that. Wow. That's interesting." So, um, but um, but it started from that, and then and, the, you know, in my studio, nobody helps me with my painting. Nobody, I don't ask people. It's I mean, what, what's the use of that? What's the fun of that if, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. if, I mean, art is about your ideas and your expression. Mm-hmm, why mm-hmm. give the fun part of that away to someone else? So, you know, in my mm-hmm. studio, I am get to have all the fun doing all this. But on the on the walls, though, so if I'm doing a four-story mural and I might be on a, on a lift, you know, going in different parts of the wall, um, I have a radio and then I have, I have actually a canvas that I did of the painting. And then down on the ground, my wife is, is operating the crane. And she has, wow. like, a, a digital copy of it. And I can ask her and say, like, all right, okay, I can feel where the tree is, and I can feel on the wall where I painted where the, the that is, but where, where's this other tree? It's just like, oh, it's 10 feet away on your right, you know, about 5 feet ahead. i am <laughs> yeah. go, okay, okay, I got it, I got it. And yeah. then work from that to, um, to her actually coming in and putting, like, some paint on the wall at times.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: um, she's the only person I've really paint, painted with, and the only time we do it is on murals. We just did an 80-foot mural for a city. And it was so much fun because we got to do it together. I've never Mm -hmm. painted with someone before. Mm
2: -hmm. And yet
0: to do that with your best friend. And we just clicked. She understands my art so much, you know, that I can say, oh, you know, I want to do this. I want to do that over there. So if you could take that color and add that there and she'll do it. And I'll go fill it. I go like, that's brilliant. That's perfect. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, sorry, no, I just
1: it's, got off the. No, I love it. It's amazing. I actually, up here um, in, in my area, I know another couple who paint murals together. And mm-hmm. I've seen their teamwork, and, and I know exactly what you mean that it's, it's I'm sure, an amazing experience to do that with your best friend. And it's such a big project. I would think you would need an assistant no matter what. <laughs> yeah, it's that's a it's, really big undertaking. So, yeah, it's um, nutty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm so I'm happy about, that you're here. I'm about to do a do hospital, that and that's
0: going to be. Yeah, it's oh, wow.
1: wow! Yeah. Well, I hope to see that on social media. And I wanted to let all of our watchers and listeners know that you can find all of John's links in our show notes. You can connect with him on social media, his website. And I do want to encourage you again to order the book and to um, wait for John's new book that I really hope he's going to write. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll all be waiting for the new book. But meanwhile, you will definitely experience a rich, um, a rich heart opening kind of experience from shouting in the dark, my journey back into light. I, I didn't have a dry eye through through the whole book. It was just really impactful. Thank and you so, so much. yes, well, we can't thank you enough for for making the time for us here at the Bold Artist Podcast and being on the show, John, you have just truly opened our hearts to a whole new way of seeing and to see our art uh, with our hearts and with our perception. And it's just such a valuable gift that you're putting out into the world. So thank you.
0: Thank you so much for for letting me be on here. I appreciate that. I feel so great. It was so wonderful to, to, to have a chat with you. And I can't wait to get back to painting. I don't know, I feel so good after our, after this <laughs> this conversation. I want to put some of that yes. onto the canvas. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you just take all this wonderful conversation and pour it out onto that canvas. And <laughs> um, I am so glad that it has inspired you and to be the amazing artist that you are, That. That this, would, that this show and experience would inspire you. And we can't wait to see what unfolds for your life and your gallery and all that's in store for you. So keep being who you are, the bold artist that you are. Um, we are just so thrilled to know you and hear your heart, John Bramblett.
0: Thank you so much.